Welcome to the Aspiring High Performers podcast, the show where we embrace both the challenges and the beauty of our high performance journeys and aspirations. I am your host, Sanna Koyanen, a former professional athlete from Finland who is now guiding others to excel through mental performance coaching and breathwork in Denver, Colorado. And together, we are on a mission to achieve greatness without compromising our well-being or happiness anymore. So join me as we connect with experts, thought leaders, and inspiring individuals from the worlds of sports and high performance. We will uncover the stories, tools, and insights needed to craft and improve our own high performance lifestyles. So get ready, because this journey promises to be both enlightening and enjoyable. Hello, hello, and moi in Finnish. Today, we're going to be joined by Dr. Helen Porat, an amazing figure in the realm of physical therapy and sports medicine. Dr. Helen's journey is so inspiring from her early days as a passionate gymnast and cheerleader to now a doctor of physical therapy. And her experiences, both the personal and professional, have given her this unique perspective on the often overlooked yet critical aspect of sports, stress management and the physical and mental well-being of athletes in that same realm. So I met her through one of our business groups and I was blown away from her knowledge and care that she was exuding. So I absolutely love that I was able to interview her on Instagram last year and now turn that live into a podcast episode for more people to listen because it's this episode and the topic is so important. So in our conversation today, we're going to uncover the layers behind sports and stress and go through questions like how does stress affect an athlete's performance? What are the physical manifestations of stress in high-level competition? And some of which might actually surprise you. And most importantly, how can athletes manage and balance this stress to achieve big performance more often? So Dr. Helen is also bringing this amazing wealth of knowledge to the table, but also the personal experiences. And so you're going to have an episode filled with insights that are practical, but also motivational. And whether you're then an athlete yourself, or maybe you're a coach and interested in these topics, or simply just really interested in sports and stress, then this episode is packed with valuable learnings that can change the way you view and handle stress in sports or in your life. So let's welcome Dr. Helen Pratt. What if people don't know you, then how would you describe yourself? Yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Helen Pora. I'm a physical therapist. Um, I have my own solo practice here in Southern California, where I do a lot of manual therapy. So that's like kind of hands-on, doing like fascial release and joint mobilization in order to alleviate pain and then build better patterns. And then in the online world, which I met you now, I think it's been three years is that crazy when we started? It kind of being yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, just trying to create a space of being able to help people that aren't in my four walls. So I always had this mantra where I was like, okay, I could control what happens in these four walls. And if I'm being honest with myself, like that's just no longer true in the world of Instagram and social media. So that's what kind of motivated me to help teach other people on how their body works, why they're still in pain. Um, so I'm just really passionate about, like, put simply, uncomplicating 
the complicated patient because that's what I see a lot of. I see a lot of suffering in the unknown, unknown why they're having reoccurring pain, why their body feels like they're failing on them, maybe nerve pain that isn't necessarily textbook or that just keeps on coming back and maybe remedies that worked before like pain medication or epidurals or cortisone just isn't having the same kind of relief as before. So really getting to the root of it. So that's what I love. And um, learning how to do that online as well with nervous system regulation has been um, something that's just been such a gift to be able to do that outside of my four walls. Yeah. I mean, Amazing. Yeah, your content is so helpful. I feel like I'm always just like, okay, this is what I should do with my spine. <laughs> well, I love it that you're actually putting it out because it is very, very bold content. I love it. Thank you for joining it. Thank you. Yeah, it's like the professor in me. I used to teach um, up until I had my second daughter. I was pregnant with my second daughter when I start, stopped teaching at the university. So I'm like, okay, I'm always learning. I'm like, how do I make this? So that everyone can learn it, right? Like not just giving a lecture, but I know every now and then I fall at the professor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like your professor mode is actually pretty good on Instagram. So keep doing that. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. So, but how did you become a doctor? Just like, a, I want to shortly touch on that before we dive into this. Oh, it's So yeah, like how did you become a doctor <laughs> in physical therapy? So I think a lot of it was planned and a lot of it was left. Because at the time, I um, I was a gymnast turned cheerleader, um, never as high level athlete as you were, Sonata. But um, you know that was my my whole life was just sport. And mm-hmm. I was coaching both sports, um, and so I was like, okay, I like this coaching thing. I can do this forever. And physical therapy just seemed like a very similar type of world, right? Like you're coaching but like for the body instead of for the sport. So it just kind of seemed like a natural trajectory. And then um, in my childhood, my mom has a uh, disease that's now called CRPS before it used to be called RSD, the complex regional pain syndrome. Um, You would never know it looking at her, but it's a chronic pain disorder. So I mean, in third grade, she was learning meditation and acupuncture. And at the time it wasn't well understood. Um, Now I treat that in my clinic right now, but it kind of got me into this world of like, just pain right and like what that does to your body she was in a wheelchair for one month so i think all of the world kind of combined together and i just always had this like want and need to heal so i feel thankful that i i chose the right path right (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. sounds like it was a calling for you like all of these little pieces came together in in physical therapy yeah and i think just having that kind of pain and like what it does to your life when you don't have guidance and support i mean it just completely life-changing yeah yeah it can be definitely so let's dive into it sports and stress let's start with that because i think sometimes we do sports in order to release stress and then sometimes sports makes us stressed so is there like something that we could recognize like when are we too stressed to do sports Mm -hmm. wow i mean and just that dichotomy right like Mm -hmm. let's just like say that one more time so like they say to do exercise, or in this case, sports, within mm-hmm. a lot of your population, right? Like athletes on teams who, um, to release stress, right? And then in doing that sport can actually cause stress. So um, yeah, I I totally see that all the time. And I'm sure, I mean, this is why you're so needed in your world, that um, this is absolutely the truth. And I think that we've just entered a phase where things have become so competitive. We do have access to world-class coaches, to world-class opportunities. And with that comes all of the stress and pressure of either being successful 
successful in that, you know, the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you're in a situation which is actually too intense, right? And so I think whenever that happens, you just go back to the basics. Like, what's your goal? You know, I've had to ask myself this with my seven-year-old daughter. Like, what's our goal in being an athlete? Okay, mm-hmm. our goal, right? Like, your clients probably have different goals. Like, maybe for them, it's a scholarship ride or a job opportunity or something that's like really serious online. You know, right? It's like build confidence to have well-rounded muscles to understand how to be coached, and um, you know all those things that sometimes you just can't teach in life. So I think just going back to the basics, right? Like going back to what are your goals in this situation? Yeah, nice. And how can so I think this is something that a lot of my clients and athletes that I know of are battling with that they have situations where they need to do sport. You know, like it's it's in the schedule. So is there some like symptoms that you could say like, okay, if you have these, then maybe check in with yourself. Like, is this smart anymore to do it? Because like you maybe your system is too stressed and these are the symptoms of it. Do you have anything like that kind of a yeah. guideline to give? Yeah. So let's just go through the checklist and let's talk about, you know, of course, in the ideal world, it would be so nice to catch us before we are in full-blown stress mode. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about like what happens to the body, right? Like when, and I think that what you're talking about also is like someone who's probably chronically stressed now. Yeah. So stress is supposed to turn on and off. Maybe that little bit of stress before you go into a competition or a game is actually good stress, right? Like it makes you a little bit more visually acute. It gets your heart rate up, kind of gets all of that blood rush to the muscles. But then when you're out of the game, and you're now in real life and you still have this rush of stress hormones that's just like inundating your body, then that's where we're leading to signs of dysregulation, right? And so there's not that normal homeostasis Mm -hmm. in the nervous system where you went from stressed to now resting. And so what that's going to feel like in the body, maybe it starts with stomach problems, stomach pain, digestion issues, because now you are cutting off that rest and digest mode and now you're you're eating while you're in stress mode, right? And so we're not digesting our food properly. The acid has changed in the stomach. Um, the bloating, right? Now all of a sudden you have food sensitivities, which I mean, there's so many reasons for food sensitivities in the world. But like, I think a lot of it is like this underlying gut that isn't getting mobility, isn't getting back into that um, balanced nervous system state. Um, another one that some people experience is like that not being able to either fall asleep or if they fall asleep, not being able to stay asleep. And you're like, wait a second, like I'm not that old. Like, you know, we we think like it's age related or something. But, you know, when you're getting that 3 a.m. wake up call, that's cortisol still in your system because you were never able to what I call like I just call like flushing the toilet, pulling the plug out and releasing those stress hormones. Right. Because they never got back into that balanced state. So now you're like filled with stress and it hasn't balanced out. So you're having these um, responses in the middle of the night. That's where we call like wired and tired. Some of my patients even get like flushing in their chest where like it's even like mild confrontation. They're like opening up a stressful email and all of a sudden they get the flushing in their chest. Like that's, you're talking about an excitable environment. Someone that's like, that stress response just becomes easily triggered. So if you start noticing any of that, like that chronic neck tightness, your tummy pain, um, the repetitive thoughts, right? Now you're replaying or you're having anxiety toward like, 
I'm going to go to practice. I've got to do this. If I don't get this score or, you know, if I don't perform this well and you're having all of these thoughts and they're not necessarily being productive toward your outcome, right? And so now you're in a stress zone. You're not thinking clearly. We are not creative when we're in a stress zone, but we actually decrease in cognitive function. So it's almost like walking around a little bit drunk, but you don't look drunk. <laughs> yeah. right? you're, you're acting kind of dumb. You're not making the best life choices. You're not making the best, most critically thought decisions. So, I mean, the biggest thing that I would say is just bringing awareness. So the first way to bringing changes to it is like, usually we don't stop until something like smacks us in the face, like really get her down. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's tough, but I do think in the world of trying to be the best performer, seeking out your services, Donna, to like really tap into their optimal level of sports and health, um, I think we can start becoming more aware of listening to those signs in the body that seems so unrelated, but all come down to how we're really regulating. Awesome. I love that you brought that up, that it's not just like, you know, the feeling of stress, that it's like it can really manifest in so many different ways in our bodies because I think oftentimes we're just being like a little too simplistic in some ways you know like what comes to stress and that's like okay I have had stomach pain for three months but that's not stress like I had to have you know and that so I love that you brought that up so then if we are recognizing like okay we are in a little bit too stressed zone then what would be your recommendations for strategies to alleviate that stress so number one developing awareness is like such a crazy skill. Just becoming aware, not doing anything about it yet, but understanding what's happening and starting to detach that like, oh, I'm not a fill in the blank person. This is just my system not being regulated. Like that skill alone is huge. And just like making friends with that, starting to monitor it, then starting to become like a very good, what I call like detective or observer where you're like, oh, wait, oh, I'm recognizing that every time I get into this situation or every time I'm a little bit uncomfortable, I get triggered, right? So that's just awareness. You're actually not physically doing anything or changing it. But what you do is you kind of stop yourself in your tracks and you have that bird's eye view where you're now looking down at the situation and you're not continuing to snowball into that full stress mode. You have the ability to just kind of press the pause button. The second level is that once you do become aware, right? Because if you have no idea, then, what, then how are you going to yeah. use any of these great skills? Mm-hmm. So if we have a nervous system that is very excitable in stress response, sympathetic response, that's the stress response, then we have to increase, we either have to get rid of the stress. So we're doing that by becoming aware, finding triggers, but then we also have to level out the scale by increasing parasympathetic activity. That's the rest and digest. Okay. By increasing the tone in that part of your nervous system, by building better patterns. Now, every time that you have that stress, which stress is good, it gets a bad rap on Instagram. But stress is good. We need it sometimes, especially as overachievers, we got to get stepped on and, you know, it makes us safer. But we also have to have the ability to come down from that. That's that parasympathetic tone where we can flush the toilet get rid of the cortisol, get rid of those army ninjas of stress hormones that just tried to help us out and get back to a baseline. And the way that we do that, as you have 
um, found out for yourself and with your clients is breath work. Breath work, if you could think of like the whole nervous system being like a navigation system or like a GPS, imagine like that breath work being like a fast track, like a toll road to getting access to your parasympathetic nervous system. So you really want to start building that so that your body learns and increases the tone of um, of being able to kind of restore our regulating system. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Breathwork works for me, but I also know there are so many different ways to do breathwork and it also depends on the person. So then I think we're also chatting about like, there are some mistakes that sometimes people do when they start like initiating breath as like way to reduce stress. So would you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. And so for me, what really got me into this was um, when I was teaching at the university, I taught about muscle imbalances. So one muscle being too tight, one muscle being too weak. And one of those muscles was the diaphragm. At the time, I had no idea that this was like the oasis for parasympathetic nervous system, right? Like it, I wasn't even teaching about that. I was just talking about how an especially an athletic person, have muscle imbalances with their diaphragm getting constricted, right? Because like we're so, uh, what, yeah. we, I talk as if we, like I still have it. But at the time, no, I mean, when I'm fairly high home, I had a lot of, like I had that lovely six pack, right? Where, you know, but because I was so strong in the global muscle at that time, um, your diaphragm could get constricted right? Because you're so tight, you're all of the global muscles, or maybe it's getting so, um, so we don't have access to that full muscle. And what that looks like in my physical therapy perspective is we're breathing out of our neck, we're breathing out of our chest, we're breathing out of our hip flexor muscle, we're breathing in this um, lovely, you know, the, the sway back position like this. So we're losing our ability there. And um, so I think that it's so wonderful that so many people are bringing attention to something that is so easily accessed, but to make sure that we're using the diaphragm, right? Because if we're already stressed, that tells me that you have tightness in your muscle tone, because if you've been in sympathetic yeah. dominance, that's a chemical response. But it also tells me that, how are you going to get out of this chest tightness if you don't have awareness? So you're sitting there, okay, deep breath, you know, yeah, and then work just the stress. And so um, to be really successful in getting the goal that we want out of breath work, we really have to make sure that we're also addressing the muscle restriction that come along with having a diaphragm that hasn't been used to working. And so I used to teach this to 60 healthy students three times a year. It would be amazing if I found one or two who really could find their diaphragm. Now, everyone knows about the diaphragm, right? 14 years later, that's so great, but let's really use it. Let's get rid of all of these balances that we get from being in a forward posture, from being students, from having that neck forward, um, you know, which causes all types of different um, restrictions and tightness. So I think that one of the biggest mistakes that I see is um, just not getting the depth that we need on our breaths, making sure that it's coming, you know, typically through the nose means that you're going to get more resistance to activate that diaphragm muscle and to activate the vagus nerve, which is going to give us some of that blood flow to that parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and I think also just whenever you enter any kind of a shift that you want to make, making sure that you are giving yourself patience and not getting frustrated. So getting frustrated or being, you know, like rushed about it is actually going to, again, trigger a protective response. 
So you're sitting there trying to do it. And if you're frustrated, then you're actually tapping into our fight or flight because our body is really smart and it wants to protect you. So if it feels very strong feelings, it might pour in more of that um, stress. So definitely, I think the approach, um, which is why I think that when you are first starting out, like having support like yours is so important right? And making sure that they're getting the full breath, making sure that they're addressing any of that tightness through their abdomen um, and able to build better patterns that way. Yeah, I love that. I just also was talking about the diaphragm and how oftentimes like when we are just breathing through our chest or like into our chest and that's it. And then if you say like, take a deep breath, then the same thing happens. It's just deeper. You know, and then at the same time, often we're still like hunched over a little bit because that's where we usually are. Like that's our position. So then we just like not, we're not even giving the diaphragm the chance to go up and down like it's supposed to. It just kind of like goes exactly in the way that it's going when we are stressed. So it's not helping. So yes, I love the radiating. It's exaggerating it. And so that's, I think, like my, um, like biggest like pet peeve I guess you would say on Instagram is like being like breath work but then I just worry I'm like but are they changing it because usually when I get my patient on the table and they're nice and relaxed and I have them laying back I go okay take a break and what you'll find so often I mean seriously I check this on every single one of my patients is that they try to breathe and then they these guys I don't know how well you can see it right yes and they're literally choking themselves every time they take a breath and so we have to alleviate some of these patterns and just become aware of it um, before we continue. And I mean, it's like the chicken or the egg. Like mm-hmm. maybe you're going to alleviate it by just bringing attention to it. Maybe you actually have to do some physical, you know, work with some of the release tool. So, yeah, yeah, definitely reversing that forward posture for sure. Hey, let's take a 60-second break from this episode because if you want to do better in your sports but find it challenging to block out the distractions, maybe handle the pressure, or stay focused on what truly matters, the present moment, not other people's opinions, or the previous rally, or what you're going to eat later tonight. If any of that sounded like you, I've got something for you. I want to give you an exclusive training session that I did this fall, and you'll be learning how to silence the external noise and laser focus on what's important, you and your performance. So I will be diving into the techniques that will allow you to improve your mental focus and resiliency so you can be more consistent. Because isn't that the dream? If I could just perform at a better level more consistently? Well, improving your focus is such a big part of that, so don't miss out on this opportunity. Go grab the free training through the link in the show notes, or you can also go to the website bit.ly forward slash athlete focus. So it's bit.ly forward slash athlete focus. See you there. Yeah. And I love the question from Scrum Coaching that would it be advantage to advantages? Advantages? Oh my God, what a hard word to pronounce. Yeah. Yeah, to combine breath work with competition and visualization. Absolutely, yes. I love this so much because first, like for me, for myself, like just being able to calm myself down so that I can enter that visualization zone almost. And then like it just kind of like makes it 10 times better. 
when I can actually be still with it and then combine it with like what I want to see. And for me anymore, like it's not competition anymore. Not right now, which is about my life goals, for example, just like what I want vision to vision to myself or for myself, but I still do it. I still combine it with breath work because it does allow me to drop into my body and actually get it more deta detailed visualizations out of it and not just like, you know, being kind of like all over the place, how my mind usually goes. So I would say yes. Um, do you have anything to add to that question? Yeah. I mean, this is such a powerful practice. And I don't know if you did this in your career and my, you know, before we would go on and compete. Like it was something that we practiced. Imagine your routine. Close your eyes. And before you go, you're not watching anybody else. Just close your eyes and imagine your routine. And it's so funny because it's like now we have the science behind it. Now we have the science that when you close your eyes, you take a deep breath. What do we know that happens every time that we take a deep breath? We are just kind of emptying out that little bit of excitement, right? And so we're kind of getting back into a little bit of more grounded, balanced state, which is going to make us a better critical thinker, more, you know, aware in that sense. And then you have that visualization component, which we know is just going to have like better neural pathways, like are mm -hmm. just going to activate parts of our brain um, and those neural pathways that will allow us to perform better. And it's like we have the science now to see it. So and it's just such a simple practice, right? Doesn't make fancy yeah. tools. Doesn't take yeah. crazy biofeedback. Like everyone can access it. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Very much so. Um, and then I had a question about just like breathwork overall, because it has been a trendy topic lately. Mm -hmm. So then do you have some like favorite exercises for athletes to try? Like where would you start with? Yeah. Um, so I would definitely start by making sure that at rest. So what do I mean by at rest? Like not like, okay, I'm going to try this breathwork thing. You know, Dr. Helen said that I should use my diaphragm. So on my squats. No, you want to start at rest just to see if at rest, if you can isolate your diaphragm and you can access it very well. And then what you do, so the diaphragm muscle, just from the muscle standpoint, not from the other benefits that you get um, with your nervous system, it's the hat of your deep core muscle. So what I've been teaching my clients online is how to not only open up and like reawaken their diaphragm, but then also how to connect it to your pelvic floor. Men have a pelvic floor too and to your transverse abdominis. And so when you get that full spectrum of um, of being able to release the diaphragm on that inhale, release the pelvic floor, and then activate pelvic floor as the diaphragm comes to rest, now you're actually training the deepest layers of your muscle to be in a reinforced regulated state. And of course, the benefit as your physical therapist, I'm happy that your spine is now more stable because of it. <laughs> and I know that you're going to have less overuse injuries, right? And so just getting that resting state. So if you're an athlete and you're interested in doing this, make sure that you can access it at rest. And then you start layering on. Now with diaphragmatic breathing, I don't know what the latest parameters are, but I think that once you get into like moderate to kind of more max effort activity, it's okay to mouth breathe. We have secondary muscles to help us for a reason. It's not okay to use those secondary muscles. So what are, you know, accessory secondary muscles to breathing? There are neck, there are chest, there are hip flexors. Um, we have the square muscles in our back, our quadratus lumborum. Those are secondary muscles to breathing. So when I'm running and I need some extra help, they're going to help me get the extra air that I need. We don't need those working at rest. We don't need those working with mild, almost moderate activity. So you're just going to access the most... Um, efficient use of your breathing system 
Um, and then, of course, you can layer on. So just making sure that you're really practicing um, when you're out of your sport. And that's what I do with a lot of my athletes, my surfers, everything. Like, I can't change what you do in the water. I can't change what you're doing in performance. But what we can do is train you at a baseline and kind of this perfect environment so that when you do start adding on, you're adding on with really good mind-body connection. Amazing. I love that. I I think what also is like so valuable about this discussion is your your detailed like information that sounds so simple when you say it but i know there's so many years of research and just like knowledge be and experience behind those words because if i would try to say those same things i would just could not even <laughs> express I'm my ideal but i love that like we are having this talk because you like can explain it also from that level of depth that i think often is missing from these discussions as well like pelvic floor And like all of that, like, how can you actually start doing it in rest? So I, I'm just absolutely like loving this. Uh, but I know I was at like maximum 40 minutes. So the next question is about pain, which is another stressor, right? For our bodies. And then sometimes stress can also cause pain in our bodies. Like we kind of mentioned about that um, stomach pain. So is there a difference between physical and mental pain? Oh, this is such a big question. Let's just start with um with the chicken or the egg again. Like the pain cause strength or the stress cause pain. And of course, like most things, it's a little bit of both, right? So whenever you have pain, there's an actual physical response and need for the body to protect, right? So you will get that sympathetic response because you're in a protective mode. Now, what happens after the injury um can either turn up the volume on that or crank the volume down. And what I mean by that is if you go and now you, this injury might be affecting your next competition, right? Or whatever it may be right now, now we're exaggerating. But you go in and you have a practitioner that says, no, you're out, you're this, or maybe you have like an out of date practitioner. Oh man, that is going to turn the volume up on that stress response. Now it hurts more because you haven't even gotten it explained to you, right? And so there's a lot of different things. We call these dims and sims. Um, that's a lower subject, but kind of like the danger in me versus the safety in me. So whenever you have pain, pain in your body is only recognized if the kind of danger in me is bigger than the safety in me. And so what that means is that like, if you have something, but now, you know, Dr. Helen gave you a protocol, you know exactly what to do when this happens, then you're going to be like, this hurts, but I know what to do. I know how to alleviate it. The pain actually goes down, okay? But this is where the, the pain is being processed in your brain. So this is just from the central nervous system, like that central processing center, mm -hmm. um, which is what I do with a lot of my patients, right? By the time that they've seen me, they've had nerve pain, they've had doctors wave their arms in the air, they have no idea what to do. So what we do before I even touch them is we talk about it so that they understand what's happening in their body. And research has shown that actually explaining um, patients that are in pain, how pain is processed in the brain, actually decreases their pain just by explaining to them how the neuroscience. But that's number one. Too off topic because I love this subject so much. You know, um, it, it was good. Still in touch. <laughs> But then from the stress response, um, just to kind of almost a little bit, this is all happening at the same time, but switch subjects. When we are in chronic stress, we have more inflammation in the body. We have a little bit more excitement around those nerves. So what that means is that you could have a body that's a little bit more sensitive to pain because of the actual chemistry that's happening around their cells. Okay. And so there's that where just even decreasing 
your stress will actually help your pain levels. Um, we talked a little bit about like, just imagine like when you are in fight or flight, right? Um, when our ancestors were in fight or flight, running away from a bear, running away from danger, these muscles tighten up, everything tightens up. So you have that increased tone, but then we want it to be able to relax. So we do that from a chemical standpoint with regulating the nervous system. And then you do that from a muscle imbalance standpoint by being a more efficient breather using the right muscles that you're not breathing 20,000 times a day through your neck and chest. Mm-hmm. Did I answer that? I probably went off somewhere that I shouldn't have. Well, you get really excited about the stress. That's my jam, like the stress and pain and pain and stress. And it's just all so brought together. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like it's so connected. I'm just like trying to keep it short so that I don't start explaining too much of my example because I had so much to share about this too. Because I think I'm a prime example of that as well because of the like the bigger injury that I got. And also it's just like all the little injuries on the way because I was just so stressed. Um and then that just cost me to have this cycle of injuries and pain all the time. Uh-huh. Um but I think one last question that I want to ask that I think every athlete is dying to know the answer for, because when they get injured, is there a way that they can, you know, heal faster? You know, well, it just, what you say to that? You, it, you have, like, if you could find a good physical therapist by your side through your athletic career, like life is just so much better because it really depends on what kind of an injury you're talking about. You know, is it an overuse injury? Is this like chronic shin splint? Um, or is this like an actual structure that like an ACL injury or like um, in your knee, right? Like is this like a structure injury where you're like, okay, this isn't like, let me breathe my way into repairing my ACL, right? Like, <laughs> but um, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I could necessarily answer that question. Um, but I definitely think that having a triage team um, is the best answer and making sure, and, and this is so challenging, but just making sure that you don't have out, outdated, um, actually, um, outdated professionals, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. What I end up seeing is that, like, once they're teenagers, at least in the sports of gymnastics, like everyone has their ankles taped and they have, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, now it doesn't hurt when my ankles are taped, but now my ankles are weak. And so it's just so tricky because there are so many hours being spent in the sport. So that's Merlin. I'm very passionate about that preventative um, type of care. And, you know, I think that there are certain teams, certain sports that are being a little bit more mindful with like some of the overuse and just being a little bit smarter about the way that we train. But I can't unfortunately say that there's some, you know, just because that's so broad with that. But, you know, and even like with swelling, taping. I mean, the, the volleyball world made K-tape so big, right? So I love mm-hmm. rock tape. Using that for some swelling, it actually is magic. I guess if we're going to talk about magic, that would be the only thing that is a little bit magical. Um, that stuff works wonders for swelling and for support, for sure. So hopefully I answered that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I did. And it, it was very broad. It was a very broad question. But I feel like no, that's the thing that we, like a lot of athletes who probably are tuning into this one, are kind of like, okay, is there a way that I can um, make my healing faster? Like some of those things, like, you know, calming down your nervous system and then because if, I, if we have a lot of pain responses and all of that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I was wondering in my case. Yes, absolutely. And I can tell you that, like, if you are stuck in chronic stress, like it is going to impede healing. 
So absolutely, like tapping into that parasympathetic nervous system, making sure that you can get rid of inflammation is going to absolutely help the process. And also, I hope that if they are listening and they're catching this before a full-blown injury, Mm -hmm. that just starting to listen to those signals. You know, I think that you and I started this conversation with the topic of awareness. When you start to become a better detective, then you don't wait for disasters to happen right? You start front loading, you start listening to your body. And when you listen, it's amazing how it'll actually tell you what it needs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Way to wrap it up. This was amazing, like a full circle now from... I mean, you're bringing me to our like, you. And just to add here to any of my listeners, Thana has helped me so much with her expertise. And she, yeah, I feel like it's amazing work what you're doing. And I'm sure that it lights you up too, helping people. Thank you. Yeah, it does. It does. And I think that's, it just feels, I don't know, such a passion and at the same time a calling. So I, I love what I do. Uh, but I think we need a part two because you were mentioning about that, like the overuse injuries and all of that. So I feel like we need to do a part two about those and add, like maybe the outdated strategies that are, you know, out there. Uh, I think that would be really, really interesting yes. topic. So I think people stay tuned. We probably want to do that one. But because we're wrapping up now, so then where can people find you right now? And you also had a program coming out, right? Yeah, so I'm in the middle of, um, I, I'm going to be doing this program again um, in the middle of the summer. Okay. So I am um, taking applications now for Brain Body Breath Program. And it's a 12-week group program where you do get coaching from me and access to me um, and my weekly information that's given out. And so what we do is we build off of the three phases. So ironically, the first phase is awareness. And so we're starting to really dive deep. Like we get so deep. Four weeks, it's like years of therapy cannot get this deep because you really start to understand things that are happening at a subconscious level. So it's like people that have been dealing with this and trust me, there is such a wonderful place for talk therapy. But some of these memories you can't even access. So starting to shift um, your neural pathways in those first four weeks. The second phase is called alleviate. And so all of those patterns that we talked about, the tightening patterns, the the patterns that have kept us stuck in fight or flight with the tight neck and the tight chest and the hip flexors that won't move um, to let our diaphragm. So we do all kinds of alleviate. And then the last phase is called activate. So we activate the four components of the deep core to reinforce that regulated nervous system state. So super fun. I have a little bit of like some... Um, moms that have pelvic floor issues who now they get to address their pelvic floor but then they also get to address their anxiety so that they could show up for parenting kind of a little bit more regulated state um and then i have mom who's not a mom who's just kind of addressing some of her chronic um symptoms of tummy bloating and stress and tight neck so it's um it's it's just been so fun because it's just so comprehensive um and definitely been having fun so yeah you can definitely message me you can apply for the program and we can set up a free consultation and i'm getting really excited for my summer group coming up too so hopefully people can yeah you thought is instagram the best place to find you then it is. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. I'm pretty active on Instagram. So that's the best way. Thank you so much for having me, Sada. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much for having the time. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Aspiring High Performers podcast. I hope you found today's conversation as inspiring as I did. And please remember that achieving more does not have to come at the expense of your well-being or happiness anymore. So before we part ways, I want to share two important things with you. 
One, if today's conversation resonated with you, if it reinforced that thought of what could be possible for you, then consider becoming part of the community. So please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me, honestly, and it helps me continue bringing you valuable content. And lastly, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of today's episode. So until next time, stay driven and go master the day because you might just be closer to your goals than you think.